0: Welcome to the Living Lightly Podcast, a Seeds Church Podcast where we wrestle with what it means to live lightly in relation to God's creation. I'm one of your hosts, Connie Hepner Mueller,
1: And I'm your other host, Ted Enstick.
0: And today we're just thrilled to have Jennifer Schrock join us, all the way from Goshen, Indiana. And uh, Jennifer is the leader of the Mennonite Creation Care Network. And we're going to learn a bit more today about what that is. But first of all, Jennifer, welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you.
0: Just to start things off, um, because I'm Imagining uh, many of our listeners won't know you. Can you just give us a little introduction? Who are you? And uh, yeah, tell us where you're from and a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, um, as you said, my name is Jennifer Schrock and I grew up uh, in eastern Pennsylvania. For the last 17 years, uh, no, I guess it's 18 years, uh, my husband and I have lived here in Goshen, Indiana, and I've been working. Uh, for Mary Lee Environmental Learning Center of Goshen College. Um, I have been involved with Mennonite Creation Care Network since its inception, uh, which was about in 2005-2006. I enjoy plants and gardening. We have two grown sons, When you say
0: Mennonite Creation Care Network began in 2005 or 2006, my heart drops a little bit, actually, because I'm like, "How did I not know you existed?" So uh, I'm so glad to now know that you that the organization exists, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about it and becoming more part of things. Um, Can you bring us back to that time? Like, what did it? um, What was it born out of? Whose idea was it? Or like, what? Yeah, how did it begin?
2: Well, it all started with a filing question. Before the uh, before we existed, there was a small organization in the, the Mennonite Church USA um, called the Environmental Task Force. They started out of a uh, one of our conventions in 1989 they had little if any funding and by 19 by 2005 or so they were getting older and tired and they were ready to call it quits Um, and one of the primary leaders of that group asked a man named um, Greg Bowman what should he do with all these old files And my executive director at the time heard about this. Um, His name was Luke Gosho and he was the, the leader of Mary Lee. And he felt like this was not a time in history when we should be, you know, shutting down our one environmental organization. So, So he started working on creating an organization that would be a little bit more tied into um, the Mennonite Church and would be supported, have regular support um, so that it could have some stability. So Mary Lee, which is a nature center owned and operated by Goshen College, became one of the sponsors of Mennonite Creation Care Network and Everance became the other sponsor. Everance is our um, U.S. Mennonite financial organization. Mm. Uh, and those two organizations partnered to create this little nonprofit. For the first, up until 2016, we really didn't have much in the way of staffing. Uh, Luke Gosho, Um, who the founder uh, was pretty much volunteering his time on top of being an executive director. And I did things within my, the rest of my job description, but it wasn't until 2016 that I had a half time devoted to this organization.
0: Fantastic! Yeah, I, I'm, I appreciate knowing the history and the the inception of this group. Um, should I have known about it sooner? I'm just like racking my brains to think of what kind of rock I must have been living on, under. What kinds of like what kinds of things do you produce or mm-hmm. writing or like social media? What kinds of things do you do you do to get the ideas out there?
2: Well, you know, I admit we have. We have a, you know, a, a a problem being as small as we are. We haven't done everything that we probably should have to get the word out about our organization. We do have a website and we have a monthly newsletter. Which I now get <laughs> and read carefully. Yeah. yeah. Uh We do um, a little bit of advertising, but funds for that have been somewhat limited and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a little hard to see how effective it is and, mm-hmm. and uh, what might be the best way to go about advertising things. That, that is actually on our list of things we'd like to do in the next six months is work on uh, get some kind of a marketing audit uh, to help us um, get the word out a little, a little bit more.
0: Oh, goodness. I didn't mean to imagine this was your deficiency. I was quite
2: imagining it was mine. <laughs> I think but... <laughs> Connie's
1: to blame for that, not anybody else.
2: <laughs> Completely. Well, I mean, but, yeah, but when you ask that question, I know that there are reasons on our side why that is. Well, I'm sure there's yeah
0: lots of reasons, and I just, for whatever reason, wasn't plugged in, but I'm sure glad to be plugged in now and to learn more about it. It's just yeah. great. It sounds like well, a great and needed organization right now.
2: The the other thing is that we have not had Canadian staffing at all. We have two representatives on our council from Canada, but we've never had any staffing in Canada. And that's something that I know our our Canadian representatives are very eager to have. Um,
0: Oh, well, I wouldn't mind doing sort of like a pre-retirement could this be a job interview instead of a podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Could be some possibilities. Maybe it's both. So I want to take a bit of a step back um, on this podcast. Most of the people that we've had on, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about um, each person's journey with the relationship with the creation and how that is developed. And I know to do the kind of work that you're doing, Um, especially when you're probably understaffed and under-resourced for what you're trying to accomplish. There needs to be something driving or motivating um, what the work you're doing. I'd be curious to know a little bit about your story and about how you've seen your faith intersecting with uh, creation care work and, um, and then sticking your neck out there to try to mobilize others and churches to also get on board with that work.
2: Sure. Um, I would say the reason that I've lasted this long in this line of work is is definitely because it was based out of, of joy, something that gave me joy. And it took me a while in life to realize that and to listen to my own joy and what, what gave me strength and energy. Um, I grew up in a, on a kind of a farm setting in a more rural area, I would have been a child that had the freedom to roam over multiple acres, including a creek and farm fields and a woods. And that was just normal life for me. But at that time in history, you didn't, it wasn't a career thing. I wouldn't have Mm. ever thought of, you know, majoring in environmental science um, as a young adult, and that, that wasn't available at that time at the Mennonite College where I was, Goshen College. I was an English major in college, and then in my 20s, I also went to seminary. There's part of the faith piece. Uh, but I wouldn't have thought about doing something environmental at that time. And it wasn't until my thirties when I started to realize, you know, I really enjoy the camping trips that we take as a family and seeing different ecosystems and being part of them. And I also became involved with a gardening group at my church that was, that the leader was very interested in gardening with native plants and That was something I really enjoyed. I'd I'd always enjoyed gardening, even as a child. But we were in an urban area at that time. So, um, you know, flower gardening in a small yard was about as far as it went. But between those two experiences, the the camping and the um, gardening, wildflower gardening, I realized this is really something I care about. And I think it's an important issue and worth working on. And when we moved to Goshen, Indiana in um, 2002, I was looking for environmental work and I was hired at Mary Lee. Um, Remind me, take me back to the question again.
1: I may have strayed. No, I think you. I was looking for kind of what's the backstory uh-huh. of oh. where you find yourself today, and, and in terms of what's invigorating and giving yeah. giving you passion for the work that you're doing. Yeah,
2: in, in terms of faith, I I would say that creation and God as creator was always an important concept to me, even from childhood. I mean, I can remember going down to the basement and. Um, I, I did a lot of Bible memorization at that point in my life, and it, it was emphasized in my Christian ed experiences. And I can recall reciting the creation story to the canning jars in the basement. You know, I mm. that was one of my favorite scriptures even then. Mm. Um, so in between having a seminary education and, you know, a strong interest in, thinking about my faith and realizing I had these nature environmental interests. It wasn't, it wasn't hard to, to realize that there's a connection Hmm. between them.
0: What was your work at the Mary Lee center or, and, and still is, that's still halftime what you, what you're up to.
2: I have filled quite a few roles in my 18 years there. I started part-time as a grant writer. Mary Lee was building a um, uh, a biological field station for undergraduate studies, and the way I got in there without any environmental training was, I saw that they didn't have all of their money yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I built myself as a grant writer. I hadn't exactly written a grant before, but I knew I could write well. And um, Lukasio, the executive director, took the bait, and that's how I started. And then as as time went by, different needs evolved. The who was doing public programs left or cut back. And I became the public program coordinator, so I would plan things like um, something we called an Autumn Hope Conference, which was looking at faith in the environment. And, and people would come to Mary Lee and spend the weekend out on the land and also have these biblical and theological kinds of discussions and input from scientists as well on a range of topics. Water and watersheds to climate change. I know we did one year, um, and there would have I would have planned a variety of hikes. Um, we did a nature fest for children in the spring. Um, so that that was another part of my role for a long, quite a while, up until twenty sixteen. I also taught an undergraduate course called Faith, Ethics, and Ecojustice. Um, for a while, we have a uh, undergraduate program called the Sustainability Leadership Semester at Mary Lee, and students come and live in this this building that is now funded and standing. And it in twenty sixteen, then I um, I became half time communications, half time
1: then um, at Creation Care Network.
2: I would like to know
0: what, what gap or what need do you feel the Mennonite creation care network is filling? Like what's, what are you hearing from congregations and churches or what are you trying to accomplish by, Mm -hmm. you know, creating this network? What's the need Mm -hmm. that's being filled?
2: Well, in some cases it's, um, it's resourcing. We get a lot of good feedback on our website and, um, you know, the content that we put out. Um, I have one creation care liaison in particular who always does the, sh- the shared practices that we suggest and, um, you know, they applied for our solar grant and just sort of almost anything we suggest They do. And and Mm -hmm. she says, you know, it's really helpful to have someone prompting and saying, well, this is the next thing. or Mm -hmm. um, Because it is easy to get stuck and think, okay, well, we did that. We got the solar panels on. Now what? Um, So that's one thing. I have noticed also that our congregations find us a lot more relevant when we have money to share. (laughs) Surprise. Um, One huge gift that we received back in, um, oh, I can't remember the year now, but it's been a number of years ago, a NASA scientist named Russell DeYoung wanted to start a grant program for Mennonite churches in the United States who wanted to put either solar, solar panels on their buildings or... Um Install electric car charging stations, and he did it as a memorial to his wife he'd recently lost his wife
1: since
2: hmm. then he 's providing twelve thousand dollars to us that we can then share with uh, one or two congregations a year um, hmm. you know when you when you think of the the cost of solar panels it 's not you know we, it won't put an array on a large church, but for smaller churches, sometimes it's hump money, and mm-hmm. it's always a help. Uh, so, you know, Sometimes a make-or-break help to mm-hmm. the congregations that do that. Mm-hmm. More recently, we received a grant from um, the Stace Family Foundation, um, and they were interested in particularly environmental justice kinds of things, I think. And we they invited us to put in a proposal, and we made it so that this would be a grant program for um, churches or Mennonite Anabaptist-related nonprofits of one type or another that had a, a smaller project they needed help with. Um, and you know i th- i think those have been appreciated as well i just got word this last week of a nonprofit in Taos New Mexico that received one of these and they're in the process of building their first shed out of um plastic trash uh they they came up with a way to use recycled plastic bottles and things as filler to give stability to the walls and, um, they're hoping that this can be also a job creation project and, and a way to recycle plastic in an area where plastic recycling has been canceled. So that's just one example of a a small project that a thousand dollars could make a difference to. And, uh, That's another need, I guess, that we're reaching. A third need that I would, um, that that we aspire to, I I don't know that we um, attract the full spectrum of the Mennonite church, and I know we don't, but we have always wanted to meet people where we are and not just be on the radical edge of, Um, environmental issues. Those folks don't need us, or at least they don't need us nearly as much as beginners, and we don't want to leave beginners behind. So we've tried to um, emphasize that everyone is welcome you know, to whatever their comfort level is, and whatever's appropriate in their own context—you know, their geographical context, their political and theological contexts—early um, on, our um, w- w- one of the marketing terms we used was "a hundred shades of green." The idea mm-hmm. was, <laughs> the idea was, you know. We are a patchwork quilt of different approaches to working to care for the earth, and that's okay. Um, Then along came uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and suddenly that name (laughs) lost a bit of appeal to our constituency. (laughs) But just
1: to be clear, you had it first, so...
2: Uh, well, we definitely, credit. before the movie, and before it was a big thing, yeah. so.
0: you might also it might also attract attention as much as it detracts mm-hmm. from what
2: you're doing well maybe you know, maybe I was too soon to you know <laughs> respond to criticism i don't know
1: yeah well, I'd like to maybe maybe pick up a bit on i mean you kind of um, you kind of hinted at some of the tensions about being. A network in a community of churches that can be quite diverse um, theologically especially and uh, maybe socially as well and um, I, one of the things that kind of you have know, a it 's a very beautiful website actually that you have and very well laid out and one of the things that caught my eye on the about page was um, well i 'll just read what it says, and I think i'd like you to comment on it because I think it it kind of identifies maybe one of the tensions about a theological basis for working with creation in the context of the church. But it says brokenness isn't the end of the story. Um, you've talked about, yeah. And God's salvation project, which found full expression in Jesus, extends to all creation. The first followers of Jesus understood salvation of people and the earth as a package deal. And um I sometimes find that when we talk about creation care issues in the church, that for some people, they feel like this is a bit of like of a side deal, or it's kind of a, it's maybe a, it's it's an emphasis that we might focus on in the church. But I get the sense from your approach to creation care that it is actually at the center of the gospel and the good news of reconciliation. So I wonder if you could just say a bit about what your sort of take is on how salvation. Is much more holistic than simply souls being saved, or someone might say, like, "All you care about is like saving the earth, and you don't really care about the larger spiritual issues." Talk a bit about how those are intention in a good way in in your approach.
2: Wow, that's a challenging question. <laughs> well, your your question takes me back to 2013 when um, we were. Putting a forth, we sponsored a resolution to the Mennonite Church USA uh, convention that year, um, asking, calling Mennonite congregations to study creation care in their own contexts in some way in the coming couple of years. And uh, Luke Gasha was actually the author of that um, proposal. I, I worked on it some as well. But uh, the language was coming of, from him, but he emphasized that that point about this is a central part of the gospel, and that was the thing that was contested, and mm-hmm. that uh, the delegates discussed for some time, and some people questioned: was it really central to the gospel? Um, so, yeah, you, you put your finger on something that, that is a question for a lot of folks. Um, I think it would maybe be dishonest to say that it, well, let me, let me put it this way. It is definitely central to the gospel in our times now. Whether it needed to be so so explicitly at all times in history, just as um, hospitality to the stranger maybe rises and falls in in um, not importance but in in level of focus depending on the uh, global cir- circumstances or political circumstances or. A variety of things, and I feel like this is totally a central central to the gospel for the 21st century. Um, because we are we are damaging God's artwork. We are um, uh, if. if if we are, uh, well, how do I put this? There are a lot of spiritual gifts. Our spiritual calling is uh, to virtue such as uh, loving your neighbor, care uh, for, for other creatures, respect, um, and... And all of those things play out in relation to nature as well as to people. And they also have consequences for um, other human beings, and particularly those who are less fortunate, those who are poor or minority people, tend to bear the brunt of environmental burdens. Um, so I think even people who struggle to think that, you know, ensuring that there are adequate caterpillar populations or, uh, tiger populations, um, you know, do believe that we want to respect the needs of human beings who, because we all depend on the earth. Um,
1: Well, I think that was a good. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it is a very it's a very difficult uh-huh. question to answer because, um, like I think what you said, there's so many other aspects of our life that are intersecting with the way we have treated our planet, and so um, right now one of the hot topics of our time is racial injustice and the other hot thing is covid-19 and it seems like both of those issues are not unrelated to issues of our planet and how we care for things and who has and who doesn't and how resources are shared and all these things it just feels like they're not you sometimes think like well how can we even talk about the planet right now when we're trying to stave off this virus but uh you know there's there's so many things that are interlinked in that and so if we want to be um, followers of Jesus who comes to save us in a holistic way. Then we need to we need to interact with those issues because um, the planet is not just some abstract idea. It's where we live.
2: I believe that we are called to read the Bible through the lens of our times. That's what theology is. It's trying to make sense of. Uh, an ancient manuscript from a particular time and place in our own time and place, times and places. And, and if you do that, if you bring the environmental crises that we face to the scriptures, um, it becomes very clear that um, caring for the earth and, and is, is part of, is, is central to the gospel. Um, I think of of Jesus' teachings, um, teachings on considering the birds and the flowers. And if you think about the fact that he walked everywhere and that he must have spent a lot of time sleeping under the stars and just being outside, he must have had, he often snuck off to the, the desert to pray. He had this, relationship with nature that that we don't think about unless you um put on this particular lens uh i can i think of texts in jeremiah and and isaiah that are talking about how the sin of the people defiles the land and that's true in our time as well if if we are um ruthlessly greedy or um, you know, it it shows up in our land. Our, 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 our spiritual choices. I don't know if I want to, not all of environmental uh, problems are caused by ruthless greed. Some of it's, it is just overpopulation and um, ignorance. But, our spiritual health shows in our um the health of our land i guess is what i would say that's that's the biblical mm-hmm. perspective and i think it's true today too
1: very true well good uh those tough questions are the ones that kind of keep us on our toes right in terms of how do we just keep all that in mind it's a very comprehensive thing that we're dealing with and at the same time we're trying to get some things done that'll help us just be a little healthier and and live a little lighter than we we did the week before so Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. you know I used to think that I used to see it this way that because I've always had um, um, a care in deep in my heart for the environment and and wondered about that and and you know you'd be presented with all these other issues in the world and I would think, well, I can't care about everything. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of stay in my corner of the ring and I'm going to worry about this. And and I I was really hoping that God, you know, put an issue in everyone's heart so that they're all checked off. You know, <laughs> that there's going to be somebody looking after all the problems and so that they're all looked after. I think I've really learned to see it differently. And I think you, this is what you're getting at, too. I've learned to see it that... Um, it's a tapestry and that when you when you tug on one thread you tug on it all like what ted was what you were just saying ted about issues of race and justice and the environment and the, the virus and economics like just go on and on it's all connected and that i feel is that's why i'm so excited about your network uh, because that's what we need more of networks to understand that we're all connected and to the natural world and not to see it as my issue, your issue, different issues, you know, it's, it's all one and the same. So, uh, my next question for you is like, what, what does MC, what's the acronym? MCCN, MCCN, right? Uh, what are you hoping are the next steps? What's like the the edge of your work right now and the future?
2: You know, we we need more work on, as do many Mennonite organizations. Is you know how do we how do we reach out to people who don't look like us um, from different races, different cultures, and how how do we in- Include them um, in in what we're what we're doing and in ways that are authentic to the fact that we are majority white. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had some um, uh, an African American uh, man and a Hispanic uh, person on our um, Creation Care Council. In in both cases, their communities kind of called them back. As I mean, they were needed, boots on the ground kinds of things more than this bigger network. So, um, one of my questions is: How can we hear those voices without drawing talent away from where it is most needed? Um, uh, a, a related direction that maybe is more at the, at this point it involves me personally more than the whole network but mennonite world conference has just started a task force on creation care and i was invited to be on that task force by virtue of my role so this is kind of exciting to sit on a committee from people from five different continents mm we've met just once and obviously haven't done anything yet except meet each other, but it will be interesting to see what grows from that Mm -hmm. work. Um, What can I ask what
0: the, I'm sorry. Can I ask what the task force, what, what are you being tasked with exactly?
2: Well, one one point was to listen to uh, member churches and i mean national churches and continental the, the voices from different continents um, Mennonite World conference is a far broader audience than either m c u s a or m c canada mm-hmm. i i think so there would be many many congregations around the world that, that don't make the connection that don't see creation care as central to the gospel and what are culturally appropriate ways to communicate about Mm -hmm. that. Um, So that's, that's definitely a big piece of it and listening to what our constituencies have Mm -hmm. to say. And then there was also, uh, uh, we were also asked to provide some strategic directions for Mennonite World Conference, um, particularly on things like climate change, because that is affecting um, Anabaptist congregations around mm-hmm. the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like such an exciting endeavor. Like I, I'm just, uh, I'll be waiting to hear what comes of it, because I think only good could come of those. Con- those kinds of conversations.
2: Yeah, I have to admit, I jumped in. I, I didn't even reflect on this opportunity before I <laughs> took it because it was like, well, this is my role. I, you know, it makes sense. And the person that, that asked me is someone I know and I have had a lot of respect mm-hmm. for for many years. But I didn't even, you know, check out the cliff before I jumped <laughs> off. So now I'm thinking, how might this change us? Uh-huh. You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's good. Just to. I had
2: one sometimes more it's... next step I wanted maybe to to mention. Uh, one thing I'm interested in doing, I haven't gotten very far with yet. So this definitely would be a a. A future thing, but I'm interested in finding volunteer activators who would be who would want to lead or do some organization around subgroups and particular interests. Mm-hmm. Um, sustainable farming would be one example. Um, uh, climate change is another another one. you know are there people who would like to network? Mm-hmm with different congregations, but need a little bit of leadership. I know, I know I don't have either the, I'm not embedded enough in the work as people that are actually like doing it on the ground um, or, and I don't have time to do it myself, but I'm hoping to, that we can do more of that kind of net networking Um, especially now that we've all learned soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. There's a lot of talk about the COVID legacies that will be left, you know, legacies of like, we've all had to forge new paths and Hey, that's going to come in handy in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds like a great idea to see who's out there that wants to connect about something more specific. Like, like you say, the work on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Great idea for a future step. Uh, I have, I have one more question. Well, I have a million more, but <laughs> i Pizza's it. waiting. But the pizza's waiting. That's right. And
2: uh, oh, it's, it's not ready <laughs>
0: yet. <laughs> uh, I'm wondering how, what you would say to um, churches that want to get more involved. What are the different avenues to become more involved? And if you could say anything about, in particular, Canadian churches, I've seen that a number of Canadian churches have signed up to be part of the network. Um, I have also seen that we're not eligible for your grants. <laughs> I
2: know. Well, you are the small grants. <laughs> are we? The small ones? Yeah, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Those, that's not US, US. I mean that's not Those US dollars
1: are, they go a lot further here too. that's so.
2: true.
0: That's true. <laughs> so yeah, how can um, either individuals or churches become more involved?
2: Well, I guess the main thing I would say is that it's helpful to have congregations join us as a congregation. Um, Our original Shades of Green uh, thing, we now call it Green Patchwork Churches, which I don't like quite as well, but um, they're churches where the church as a whole has agreed that they would like to be actively engaged in caring for creation and how they do that is totally up to them. And we don't have a lot of benchmarks or uh, standards that people need to meet, but that intention. And then secondly, they need to have a, to name a creation care liaison, which is someone that connects to me a little bit and keeps me informed of what the church is doing or you know, provides feedback or whatever. So I think a, a lot of churches are doing great things on their own, and I don't even know about them. But it is helpful, I think, to connect with us because you can, you have an opportunity to scale up what you're doing that way. Maybe you can inspire someone else, or maybe you can even reach out and call them to. Um do what you're what is important to you um also, if a congregation out of that that sort of networking with us, if they form a green team, a committee within the church, churches that have that apparatus tend to get more done, it just gives. Initiatives, a little more stability than one-off kinds of, oh, let's do that now. Um, So those are the main things I would say. It's it's great to have congregations reach out to their members and invite their members to sign up for our newsletter. Mm -hmm. That's another simple thing that people churches can do. Um, in fact, I I send out I have a segment within my mailing list for creation care liaisons, and sometimes they send it to office managers as well. But it's it's called 10-minute tips and tricks, and they're just easy things you can do in 10 minutes. Um because everyone's time is limited. And and that's one example. You could put a note in your bulletin inviting people to sign up for Mennonite Creation Care Network, and then they would know about it. And they wouldn't 10 years from now say, gee, I had no idea.
1: (laughs) I don't know anyone like
2: that.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, great. And you also have a Facebook page, I've
2: noticed. Mm -hmm. So that's
0: another way folks could connect and like and follow the page.
2: Yes.
1: Hmm.
2: Yes um i keep thinking of things that i would i would like people Mm -hmm. to know um we also partner with the center for sustainable climate solutions which is another mennonite another organization related to a mennonite Mm -hmm. college in in the u.s and what we've been working together with them on are pastoral retreats on climate change and um I, I work closely with the person who does them. I don't, I haven't been that involved in delivering them myself, but um, quite a few of our pastors have come to these and have found it very valuable, I think, to be able to speak with other pastors honestly about this issue, how it plays in their congregations and you know, what to how to respond um so you know a congregation could also send their pastor to one of these they're um so far they've been free other than travel costs Mm
1: -hmm. travel what's that what's this thing you talk about
0: (laughs) (laughs) we just thank you so much for joining us today Mm -hmm. jennifer
2: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed talking with you and thinking about your questions. What a great thing that you're doing.
0: Until next time. Take care. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.